Thank you for your prayers and your concern. I still remember that last year that we were here. I was over at, at Grace Book of Batok, and I was about here on the platform. And you know, nothing can stop me when I'm preaching. Nothing can interfere. But the strangest thing is I'm in the middle of my preaching, and God spoke to me, and he said, David, what you are going to be doing in the future is greater than anything you have ever seen at Grace Assembly. And I said, God, our, our life has been here at Grace Assembly. We've poured out our heart for Grace Assembly. Can anything, anything be even greater than that? And go step by step, God opened the door. And for about five years, my wife and I were involved in training the top of the top of the top leadership in Asia. That could affect millions of people. And I say, folks, never give up. Keep serving God. Keep faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. We still consider this the highlight of our entire ministry. But I want you to know that as you keep serving God, no matter what your age, God is going to use you in a mighty way. Can we give God a mighty hand of applause? Hallelujah. 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 All right. I want to turn. I want to talk to you about worship defines me. This is a life-changing message, and if you get hold of this message, it's going to change your life forever. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, please. Let's take a, a look at this on the screen. You're all familiar with this. Could we read this aloud together, please? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please, verse 19 and 20, let's read it together. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Worship defines me. We live in such a segmented world, especially in Singapore. We, we schedule so tightly. Everything has to be so sharp. We have our work time. We have our family time. We have our, our relaxed time. We have uh, our, our worship time. And, and it's all segmented. But when we begin to understand as believers in Jesus Christ, worship defines me. Before I'm defined as a pastor, I am a worshiper of God. Before I'm defined as a husband, a father, a grandfather, I am a worshiper of God. So that everything I do in relation to, to my wife, to my children, my grandchildren, everything I do in relation to uh, ministry, resting, and everything is part of my worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody say amen. You see, when we understand that, that's going to be changing our lives. So I have two major points. And for those of you who have heard me before, under my major points, I have about 20 sub points. All right. So number one, worship empowers. Worship empowers us. You see, there are three key things here. You see the heavenly perspective when you worship God. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. We begin to take the heavenly perspective. But what happens when we don't have the heavenly perspective? We begin to look narrowly. We look uh, and see only our present situation. And then we begin to panic. And grasshoppers become giants in our sight. And we begin to worry about this and worry about that. I've quoted before, the studies have shown that 97% of your worries never happen. 
And the other 3% are going to happen anyway, so why worry? You know, we, we waste a lot of energy along the way. We see the heavenly perspective. Instead of taking panic attacks and being afraid and feeling hopeless or, or feeling helpless, worship brings us to God's perspective of things. And when you see God's perspective, you see God is in control. Secondly, you see, you, you see God's greatness. You know, Jack Hayford said it so profoundly. He said, worship is to God. And it's for you. You see, God doesn't need our worship. Do you understand that? God has all the angels in heaven. God can do anything he wants. God doesn't need our worship. He gives us the privilege of worshiping him. So Jack Hayford said, worship is to God, but it's for you. So you can begin to understand the greatness of God in, in your life. You know, the last several years, God has impressed upon me this truth. You know, every, everywhere I've gone, I've seen all the mistakes that I've made in the past. When I left America to come to Asia about 30, uh, almost 40 years ago, I said, thank God I've left all my mistakes behind. Then I came to the Philippines and I discovered I was still making mistakes. Then I came to Singapore, hallelujah. I wiped out all the past mistakes in my life. And guess what? I discovered I was still making mistakes here in Singapore. And then when we left Singapore, hallelujah, it's all behind me now. And now a fresh start. I'm back in America, and I discover I'm still making mistakes. Oh, but the beautiful thing is that God impressed upon me, especially the last several years. He is the Lord of the harvest, and I'm just his servant. Now, when you understand that, that's going to revolutionize your life. I say, oh, God, you know how many mistakes I make and, and how I, it's not up to me. I, I just can't do it. I'm so inadequate. And God says, don't you think I knew about that all the time? Don't you think I knew about your mistakes all the time? But I chose you because I chose you because I chose you. And I'm in charge of the harvest, not you. You're just my servants. And so when I began to realize that, when I make my mistakes, I can still press forward and I can still serve God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength because God knew all about it and he is the Lord of the harvest. He's in charge. And even though there's 8 billion people on the face of the earth, thank God, he is the Lord of the harvest and he will work out all for his glory and for his honor amen amen you understand that then you understand God is a God of love you see his greatness his vast love for each of our lives you know the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel that that Satan's key trick is to try to wear down the saints get you discouraged get you overwhelmed with whatever situation that you're in uh, he's a God of love we may make our mistakes but God says I forgive you I forgive you. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Now you can experience that unconditional. You know the word agape. This is not in my notes, but let me define agape. Perhaps like you've not seen it before. The Greek word agape finds its definition in Jesus Christ, okay, when he died on the cross. Because in secular Greek, agape love is only used twice in secular Greek. And one of the cases was a boy writes back to his father and he says, if you agape me, send me more money. Okay, so the definition in the Bible is defined by what Jesus did. And when Jesus died on the cross, three things, unconditional, sacrificial, and strategic. 
You see, Jesus didn't just die on the cross so you can say, whoopee, I'm on my way to heaven. I have a fire insurance policy and I'm going to be free to enjoy heaven forever. No, he died on the cross because he sees potential in every one of you and wants to use you for the glory of God. He sees potential in Grace Assembly as a church to become a powerful force for God in these end times that we're living in. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, God is a God of love. You know, he's a God who is faithful. I, I was studying the book of Philippians and I was preparing material for pastors and leaders. And I discovered that as Paul sees this vision of the man in Macedonia, when he comes into Philippi and this Macedonian area, actually every, every uh, dream that he had of this man in Macedonia I don't even think he saw the man in Macedonia. He encountered problem after problem after problem. And he encountered prison in, in Philippi. And here he's writing the book of Philippians from, the, from a Roman prison. And he tells you this thing. He says, I'm confident that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says from this jail in Rome, I've learned to be content in every situation. I've learned to be abased. I've learned to abound. I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you begin to understand the faithfulness of our God, you don't have to focus on, on the failures or the, the obstacles that may be there. You don't have to focus on, on the struggles, but God says, I'm faithful. You know, uh, the, the Bible says in Lamentations, great is your faithfulness. Here's Jer uh, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Babylon is coming in and it's about to, to storm Jerusalem. And in the middle of writing this lamentations, the, the lament of the people of Judah, because they're going to be overcome by, by the Babylonians. And, and he says, God, great is your faithfulness. May not be my faithfulness, but you are a faithful God. And when you see God as a faithful God, you'll see he's going to be there. Then, fourthly, he, he knows everything. He knows everything. So you don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to be stressed. He is in charge. You know, when we first came out to Asia, we, we came to Manila. And Manila is a huge city. It was a foreign city. But the beautiful thing about it, when my young daughters were there with us, when we walked across the street or walked anywhere in this huge megalopolis of Manila, they had their hand in daddy or mommy's hand, and they weren't afraid at all. And if you will put your hand in his hand, you can learn to trust in him. You can know that he is there in your life. And then you can see God's power. God's power. When I came, folks, some of you don't know my, 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 my wife and myself at all. Some of you are wondering, hey, you look Chinese, but you don't talk Chinese. And some people say, you don't use laws very well. You know, the Singaporean has to know how to use the la. But the Cantonese la is different from the Singaporean la. And, and I had to learn so many things. My Cantonese was weak. I didn't even know how to say cell group. I, 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 I'd make, even after 20 years here, I still made mistakes. I still made mistakes. I was tired one day speaking to our congregation in Chinese, so I preach in Cantonese. And I said, I want you to turn to the book of Malachi. And I said, 
打开圣经睇马来街。Which for those of you who don't know Chinese, Malaysian chicken. And all of a sudden, the congregation woke up, and they began to discover there's another book of the Bible that they didn't know about before. I, I think my weakness became my strength because when I realized I was weak, it forced me to pray and seek God. It forced me to depend on other people to build the team together. It forced me to say, "Oh God, I need you, and we have to give you all the glory and all the power in, in, in Jesus' name." Uh, the, the culture, you know, folks. I I I had a culture shock when I came. This is confession. I don't think I ever told you this before. Confession. I I faced kiosuism, and here I am, many years later. I still don't understand kiosuism, until someone yesterday, as we were having dinner, said, "Singaporeans think, and Americans do." Think about that. That, that, that's a really profound statement. But here I am. I'm trying to learn the culture. I'm trying to face the challenges of a multicultural, multilingual church, and I had to pray. And then I discovered the Bible says God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And when we realize our weakness, and God can set us free in an incredible way. Now we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in speaking in tongues. And as I began to even research this further, do you know that speaking in tongues is the only gift of all the gifts of the Spirit given for worship? And worship is at the heart of who we are. Worship helps to edify you. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, it builds you up. It is worship to God, and since it's worship to God, it becomes great weapon in spiritual warfare. Because the devil, before he was a devil, was an angel in heaven leading the worship. And the thing that he hates the most is when the believers in Jesus Christ. Praise God and worship God, and He has to flee when we're worshiping God. Do you know when we're worshiping together as beautifully as we did today, the demons have to flee because they can't stand in the presence of our worship of Almighty God? Can we give God and a hand of applause? Can we praise God for that? Oh, how powerful! How exciting! How exciting that is! So worship empowers you. Worship empowers you. Whatever you're going through, I want to teach you to learn to worship God more and more. Keep falling in love with the Lord more and more. Secondly, worship is a methodology. Worship is a methodology. Give birth to God's will. In Romans chapter eight, there are three pregnancies given. One, the whole world groans and travails in pain together until now. Groans and travails and pain is is a a term for pregnancy. What a a woman goes through when she's giving birth. Indeed, we're looking at a world today that's groaning and travailing in pain. We're looking for answers. We're looking for solutions. We're seeing confusion. We're seeing economic turmoil. We're seeing all kinds of things, and it could depress anybody. But the world is groaning and travailing. That's birth number one. Secondly, the believers are groaning and travailing,、uh, wanting to give birth to who we really are. And then, third birth, the Holy Spirit helps us with words, groanings that cannot be uttered, so that 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 we may know the will of God. I remember when I was here in uh, uh, Singapore, here at Grace Assembly, 
I actually, one, one series, I did a series of 12 sermons on how to find the will of God. And uh, after I did about five sermons, someone from our church said, hey, Dr. Lim, great preaching, I love it. But by the way, uh, how do you find the will of God? I, I, <laughs> my heart sank. You've been listening to me for five sermons, you still don't know how to do that. And then I discovered something else. Probably more important than knowing the will of God is giving birth to the will of God. Giving birth through all the circumstances in your life, through your ups, through your downs, through your trials, through the persecution, through, through misunderstandings, through, through family dysfunction. All of those things can build in you what you need. I have often said to leaders everywhere, I've been through about 10 crucifixions in my life, and I don't have time to go through all of those with you. But it's through that I began to learn. I began to build in my character. I, I don't wish that I'd ever have to go through those again. But when I look back in my life, all of those things contributed to help me to be the pastor you needed to be, me to be at that point. You see, giving birth says, I'm not going to waste anything. I'm going to learn through every uh, circumstance, through every situation in, in my life. So the Holy Spirit helps us and w teaches us and forms in us the character. You know, those of you who are single, it's not a matter of uh, who is God's will. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You know, uh, could it be him? Could it be her? You know, whatever. Uh, no, you let God build you. Give birth to who God wants you to be. And then you will be able to make those choices. And you will be able to see what God wants to do in and through your life. Now, the second part of the methodology. You give God all the glory. Give God all the glory. I love the songs that we sang about giving God all the glory. When, when I was uh, in, we were in the Philippines, okay. I was the president of a seminary. I didn't say cemetery, I said seminary. Okay, and, and, uh, and I was mercilessly, unceremoniously removed from my position. I thought that being president, that I was the top man, but there was somebody on top of me. And then uh, I think I was uh, in Indonesia when I got a long distance call from the agency in America, I said, thank you, David, for your resignation. And I said, I didn't resign. Oh, yes, you have. Well, when your boss says you have, <laughs> you have. <laughs> I was crushed. I was beaten. I was bruised. But during that time, amazingly, God opened the door. We got our invitation to come to Grace Assembly here in Singapore. <laughs> How I thank God for that crucifixion. So I was marching, walking up and down the hills of Baguio, and I was praying, God, what is your plan for our lives? What is it you want us, my wife and I, to do for you at Grace Assembly? And, uh, and God said, David, give God all the glory. Oh, God, I, I teach theology. I, I, I teach my students that. I'm going to pray again tomorrow. And I prayed again, day after day, for several weeks. And God said, only that, give God all the glory. And then I said, I know, God, you're testing me. You want me to press in further. I said, God, I need more. And God said to me, all right, David, you want more? Here it is. Give God all the glory 
or else you're finished. Boy, I tell you, that became the strongest lesson I've ever learned in my life. Give God the glory in our worship. Give God the glory in our missions. Give God the glory in your successes. Give God the glory in your failures. Give God the glory no matter what is happening in your life. Do you know the Beatitudes are really interesting? We always just focus on the first part of it. You need to see the second part. The first Beatitude in Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you know who you are, and you know who God is, you have the tool to claim all that God wants in your life when you give God all the glory. Someone give God praise. Let's give God another hand of applause, please. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So when I do minister seminars, and this is the heart of what I do now, our focus, of course, in the States, it's the Chinese churches of North America and whatever we can do to help. It's to help the local church where we're part of. But beyond that, we try to work with pastors and leaders. And I say to the leaders, if you want to fly high, fly low. You see, that's the way of the kingdom. If you humble yourself before God, God will exalt you. Let God do that. This is his kingdom, and you're only his servant. Praise God. So, thirdly, release. Give all the glory to Jesus. You know, there was a song years ago that said, give him, give all the glory to Jesus. Your, give him your shattered dreams, your wounded hearts, your broken toys. Ah, oh, you see, when we give it to Jesus, I, I say this to pastors as well. The more you give over to Jesus, the more you are in control. But if you try to keep it to yourself, then you lose control. We give it all to Jesus. When I, when I had to face what I did in, in the Philippines, you know, you know when you, you are wiped out from a position of president of a seminary, I still remember the time we were there. And, and our youngest daughter had asthma problem. There were huge pine trees. There was a lot of uh, dampness up there. And so she had a vicious bout of uh, asthma. And she'd have to go to the hospital three or four times uh, a year. And in the Philippines, when you go to the child goes to the hospital, you go too. And, and you go out and you buy the pharmaceuticals that they need and bring it back in. And, and the doctor said to my wife and myself, if you value If you value your daughter, you will move away from Baguio City. And I remember what I said to him. I said, we're old line missionaries. If we all die here, we're willing to die. We're going to stay here. I was prepared to stay there. But then shortly after that, we were removed from the presidency. And I didn't know what to say. And there was, there was the, pre- new, the new president was a personal friend of mine. I said, I, I'm struggling. I, I don't quite know how to get over this situation. And he said to me, and almost prophetically, I don't think he knew it was prophetically, but he said, you know, that might free you. You see, I was determined. Live or die, we're going to stay here at the seminary to train leaders for all across Asia. And then the call came from Springfield to say, thank you for your resignation. And then shortly after that, we were here in Singapore. We had done 
the retreat for the Chinese side. We had done the retreat for the English side of Grace Assembly. And they said, Pastor David, would you be willing to be pastor of Grace Assembly? And I saw that when God closes one door, he opens the window to the highest, most glorious experience of our life to be with you guys, to walk together, to talk together, to pray together, to cry together, to rejoice together. And I say, you know, you, you, when, when you follow God's direction, then God is going to bless you in incredible, incredible ways. Release it all to Jesus. And then what clarifies our direction. Clarifies our direction. You see, when you don't know what to do, you do what God's word tells you to do. That's simple, isn't it? Here is, here is Job. He's going through all kinds of suffering. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Here is Peter. There is Peter who denies his Christ three times. He feels like a total failure, like everybody must be looking at him. And God says, feed my sheep. Carry on, son. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to do that work in your life. And you'll be a mighty leader in the church of Jesus Christ. Praise God. There's Paul the apostle who used to persecute the church. But God says, I'm going to make you, instead of a persecutor, I'm going to use you for the glory of God. We can, at every point in our lives, declare victory. You know, when you read the, the, about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, I like what Dr. Alan Cole says. When we're talking about declaring victory, Dr. Alan Cole is a great Australian Bible scholar, and he says every one of these fruit are the picture of the victor over the vanquished. All right, love, joy, peace, meekness, all right. He's saying, hey, do you know why I can love you no matter what? Because I've already won. Hallelujah. Do you know why I have joy no matter what the situation? Because I am already the victor. I am more than conquered through Jesus Christ. Do you know why I can have peace in whatever situation? It's because, because God has given me a peace that passes understanding. And you go through every one of those fruit and you say, Wow, God, I am already the winner. So whatever you go through, God says, You're a winner. Would you look at someone right now and say, You're a winner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to hear that a little bit more often. You know, sometimes we hear, you're a loser. No, 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 no. You're a winner through Jesus Christ, our, our Lord. And we're there to represent Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. The Bible says, you know, we, 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 tend, we tend to quote only some verses in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We forgot verse 10. God has made you his masterpiece. The word in Greek is poema. Uh, it's that poem. You are his masterpiece. Could you look at someone and say, you are God's masterpiece? I know some of you put a question mark when you were talking to your neighbor. <laughs> you are God's masterpiece? Uh, yeah, I guess I have to believe it because pastor said you have to believe it. With all my flaws, with all the failures, with all the, with all the inadequacies. Yes, you are God's masterpiece prepared by God for good works. And God has potential for you. 
And that's why I, I, we pray for you every morning. We believe God has incredible, incredible things for you. And I believe the past is only preparation for the future. Can someone say amen? You see, you need to understand this is God at work. This is his harvest. This is his church. And we're here to move ahead for all that God has for our lives. I want to just say this in, the, in, in bringing this together. First of all, worship empowers you. Worship. I am a worshiper. And when I, when I may even have disagreements with my wife, I have to remember I'm here to worship God. And how I relate to her is a point of worship to God. We pray every morning, and I pray over her a covering. I cover you with the love of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. No enemy can attack unless he comes from me first, because I'm the spiritual gateway to the family, and I reject the attack of the enemy. We cover one another. We are there to minister to one another. The way you treat your family is, is part of your ministry to God. It's part of your worship. Understand, worship is at the core of your life. It's not just something you do on Sunday or on a Wednesday or on a cell group night. It's not just that. It's there. We, I am a worshiper by definition. Worship empowers me. Worship is a methodology. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, there's a beautiful listing there of the Ten Commandments. And I wish I had time to share with you all of that. But most people think that's just, uh, 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 you must do this. But you, you need to understand, God is not laying down the Ten Commandments because he doesn't want you to have fun. <laughs> the Ten Commandments are there because God wants to do the best for you. Why does he say, you shall have no other gods before me? Why? Because there's one true and mighty God. And when you serve him, you know, I, I could go on and on, but uh, very often people have said, uh, uh, you become like the God you serve. If the God you serve is a fearful God, you will be fearful. If the God you serve is superstitious, you will be superstitious. But we serve the true and living God. And when we serve the true and living God and we put him first, then God can put us first. Hallelujah. And then he can transform our lives. I could go through all of the Ten Commandments that way. The commandments were for our sake, for our good, so we could be all that God has for our lives. And some of you may even be here today and uh, you, you're not really serving the Lord. You didn't understand that God wants all of our worship. He wants our whole life to be a worship to God. I'm not making it easy on you. You know, I've been to countries in, in Asia where huge persecution is going on and they love of Jesus all the more. They worship God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. I fear that sometimes in our affluence we, we forget about the commitment that God wants for every one of our lives. God wants us not to be chocolate soldiers that will melt in the noonday sun. God wants us to be rough and tough and ready to face the challenge so we can fulfill all that God wants for our lives. So you might be here today. You need to rededicate your heart to the Lord. You might be here today and you don't even know Jesus Christ fully as your Lord and Savior. And, and, and God would want to do that work in your life. God would want to forgive you of the past. He would want to redeem you. He would want to say, my son, my daughter, I have a plan for your life. A plan of fulfillment, a plan of joy, a plan that will help you to find the greatest satisfaction in your life and ministry. That no matter what you go through, you will see that he is fully God and he is working on your behalf. 
I want you to bow your heads in prayer all across this congregation. I thank God for the privilege of sharing with you folks. It's been too long. COVID shut us down for so long. Well, what a privilege. What a privilege for my wife and myself to be here. The greatest privilege in the world. The greatest privilege all year long to see what God is doing. I rejoice. I really, really rejoice. But I want you to be able to rejoice in every area of your life too. Is it, are there those of you who are here who would say, you know, Pastor Lim, I'm really, I've really grown cold. I've strayed away from the Lord, but I want to recommit my life to Jesus Christ this morning. Would you just hold up your hand high anywhere? Let me just see it. Let me just see it. Yes, 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 yes. I see those hands. Praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Are there any of you here who would say, you know, I haven't really given my heart to Jesus Christ. And I understand that he is the true and living God. But I understand too, I need to make a commitment to him. I need to repent of my sin. I need to let Jesus Christ forgive me of my sin. Would you hold up your hand high too? Let me see your hand. I want to pray for you. Yes, God bless you down here in the front. Anyone else? God bless you, my dear sister. In the middle aisle here, I see your hand. How many? Way back there in the back, I see your hand as well. Oh, hallelujah. Up there in the balcony, I see your hand. God is good. I see several hands, three or four hands upstairs there as well. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven rejoices when we begin to realize the truth and let God transform our lives. I want us all to stand together. I want us all to stand together. I'm going to ask two things here. All of you who raise your hands, I, I'm going to ask you as we sing a song just to come around these altars. I want to, uh, I, I, we'll have people that will pray with you and believe God for a miracle. People that will lead, help you, lead you to the Lord. And I want others of you who have other special needs. Maybe it's not even related to that. Maybe there's a sickness or, or there's a crisis in their family or something and you want to come forward. But those who raise your hands, could you come around this side so the altar workers will know what to do and in praying for your specific need. If you have other needs, I want you to come around these altars as well. Let's believe God. God is a mighty God. God, you know, my, my wife talked to you about healing, about sparing her life. She could easily have died in some of our mission trips that we have gone. But God is a good God. And God is watching over our lives. So you come. Let's believe God. Let's believe God for miracles. Let's believe God to do a mighty work in our lives. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, release us into the presence of God and all that God would want to do in our lives. Amen. You come forward right now. All of you who raise your hands, even from the balcony, find your way down here. Let's come around these altars. You need, you have a special need. You want to uh, break through to come into God's presence. You come around these altars here. And others of you have other needs. You come as well. Hallelujah. 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 I worship you, almighty Oh, pray. 